What's up, everyone? Welcome to Making the Shift. Where we listen to autistic voices, explore new therapy ideas, and share neurodiversity-affirming methods and strengths-based approaches to support autistic kids. Because we're not here to try and, quote, fix kids. We are here to love them, embrace them, and celebrate them for who they are. I'm Jesse Ginsberg, sensory integration trained SLP, founder of a top-rated speech therapy clinic in Los Angeles, and creator of the Inside Out Sensory Certificate for SLPs. And I'm Chris Winger, also known as Speech Dude, high school SLP and creator of the Dynamic Assessment for Social-Emotional Learning. Are you ready to make the shift? Let's do it. Welcome to Making the Shift. We are squeezed all together on this couch. And today you will see we have a very special guest with us. Hi, guys. Oh, wait, Emily. Okay. All right. (laughs) See how this is going to go. That's nice. That's nice. Welcome to our life. Thank you. I just had therapy, eight children in a row, but I'm going to. Yeah. This is good. And I feel like a lot of the people watching will probably just have been in that same position. Yeah. Yes. But Emily is a SLP in our office. She's our speech and language program director here at our clinic, Pediatric Therapy Playhouse. And she is, you've always been like a back-to-back kid fly by the seat of your pants kind of therapist. Yeah. I'm just, once I'm energized and I'm doing it, I you're in it. it. I'm in it. Yeah. There's like therapists who need like two kids break, two kids break. What are you like? Gosh, I am more like two minutes break, two minutes break. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I don't know. I actually try and I might, my style is just all over the place. Really. I don't really have a, like a set. (laughs) There's no plan with this brain of mine. I don't know why I asked. (laughs) It's like, sometimes I can do six sessions in a row. And then sometimes it's like, six minutes and I'm like, all right, speech dude needs a break. That's true. It is. I feel like pretty inconsistent. Yeah. I think that's what's, uh, keeps me, keeps me going. Cause you just never know what you're going to get. Uh, so fun <laughs> being on our toes wondering. No. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, Emily, how long have you been here? I don't even know that answer. Four years. <laughs> yeah. I actually typed it into the chronological age calculator. Yes. Cause I, I don't know why I needed it, but four years. What a tool. Yeah, what a tool. Yeah. So we invited Emily here, not just because she is therapist in our clinic. She's also a program advisor for our parent kind of division of Inside Out and this new free mini course that we're doing. Emily's helping a lot with, but I very specifically asked Emily to be involved in these projects and here today because of her ability to just work with parents and talk to parents. And I've said this to you so many times, like, I think I've cried saying it to you too in the past, but Emily's just such a compassionate, empathetic person. And it's just, there's such a huge counseling component in therapy, which we don't get trained on doing. And some people just naturally have that. And Emily's one of those people. Thank you. Yeah. We cry (laughs) during our meetings. Um, yeah, I, that's something I've grown to love in this job is um, just working with people. I mean, that's what it is when you zoom out of the goals and everything. It's people. And um, I just, I'm just thankful to have this job. 
oh, where we get to. <laughs> we're thankful to have you. Thank you. That's right. So we wanted to talk today about the parents' role in therapy and. I think what our goal of today was really to go beyond the conversations we hear over and over again, which is like, we need you to be trained in this because we only spend one hour a week with your son and you spend 24 hours a day with him. Or I'm thinking back, maybe you'll remember this. There was like an Instagram post, I think, where it was like a bunch of white M&Ms and then like a red M&M. I don't know who posted it. It was a while ago, but it was like, this is the amount of time we spend with yeah. your child. Mm-hmm. Here's the amount of time you spend, like a visual. Yeah. And obviously that's a huge reason for parents to be involved. But we really wanted today to go beyond that into truly how important it is for parents to be involved in therapy, especially when working with autistic kids and helping them to really understand their kids. Yeah. Um. So I think that we've had, I've had a couple of like realization moments with this, but one was more recently and I posted about this, but it was that I was so frustrated because I'd had all these kids. It was like, I knew they were autistic. Maybe they were young, two, three, four. And we work so hard to muster up the courage sometimes to talk to families about here's what autism looks like. And, you know, I don't feel this way anymore because now I picture autism so differently that I'm not like fearful of the conversations as maybe a lot of therapists are, or we were in the past, Mm -hmm. but you work so much to get yourself to have that conversation. You finally get the parent to get a developmental evaluation and then um, they come back or they go on a wait list for like six months, nine months, and they come back without an evaluation uh, diagnosis. Yeah. Do you see that a lot too? That's happening right now. (laughs) Yesterday I had a conversation and I view, I mean, I neurodiversity affirming 100%, but it still is hard for me to bring it up, be the first to bring it up because, you know, depending on the parent's attitude too, I want to be like, counseling the parent and everything's okay. Um, Cause the dad actually said, Oh, I hope she's okay. And so that, so the conversations can still be hard for that reason. Um, but of course it's getting, it gets easier. Yeah. But um, yeah, she got a developmental and came back um, and did not get a diagnosis, but the parents, even when they were asking me, what do you think? They said, oh, we're getting another look. So I can tell. That's good. Like, yeah. yeah. So I know we're slowly here crossing people off of our either, our, our referrals out because yeah. whenever a kid we know is autistic comes back without diagnosis, we're like, okay, we're worried. Yeah. But I also think that like I'm so used to putting the blame out there. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they aren't doing the diagnosis and I haven't been as good with taking the blame, which is, am I always doing a good enough job explaining the characteristics Mm -hmm. of the parent so that they truly get an understanding? So that leads me back to that post I put up. A lot of parents were commenting about how much parent involvement Mm -hmm. influences the diagnosis. So I'm like, well, that makes so much sense. Here I am not explaining it well enough. So of course, they're not going to go to the doctor and say, here's what I see. Yeah. So I just feel like I'm not taking the enough 
responsibility on that one yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Oh, me too. But I don't know. We also have to give ourselves grace. See what I mean? <laughs> we do. <laughs> we're doing, we're all doing the best, right? Or, you know, and all we're still all learning, but yeah. 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 Jinx. Yeah. So if you're here live and we'd love if you put in the chat, even if you're a parent, if you're a professional, so that we can know. But it's just funny because these stories are not uncommon. And I think it's just like, it's just a matter of anything in a relationship, which is communication and getting that time to communicate with parents. And then as we were talking about this show coming up, we were talking about like the major benefits of the pandemic in that we got to deepen a lot of relationships with our families too. Yeah. And I remember right when the pandemic hit, there was just so much chatter on the Facebook groups. Like, what am I going to do with my autistic kids who are non-speaking? I have no idea. And I was just watching. And this was all happening like so quickly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what came over me because I posted in like a couple really big Facebook groups if I go live tomorrow and I talk about teletherapy for autistic kids, would you come? And all of a sudden it was like so many people wanted that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? I still remember this moment in my living room and sitting in the chair. I was like, what did I just sign myself up for? I didn't say next week. <laughs> I said tomorrow. Yeah. And I think you, well, I know that you gave us the same training mm -hmm. and that was everything, not only for my autistic kids, but um, just learning how to involve parents into sessions. I typed, I have a whole outline um, of what you talked about, which is parent coaching, getting them involved. Um, I feel like the pandemic was that it was such a, I mean, awful, right? <laughs> but, and I, when we first started to do teletherapy, I was like crying every night of that first week, you know, when we were all like locked inside, wondering if the world was ending. And um, then I think we got, I got that training from you and I pulled in the parents. I wasn't even going to try teletherapy with this kid and got the training. Let's try the parent coaching. Um, and started our session and it was the, it was a big turning point for me. I had been working with this kid for two, three years and realized I was doing a disservice because I wasn't integrating the parents. And once I saw him in his home environment, I saw, not that the parent was doing anything wrong, but I saw what I could be helping with and that now I do I sprinkle teletherapy at home sessions in yeah um, since just does COVID because now I just know that it's so important to bring parents in and I think I saw a comment that said some kids interact better when parents are not in therapy session but some kids work do better when the parents are just this last week dad was modeling AAC and it was the first time I had seen him do <laughs> AAC because he loves his dad and dad modeled it beautifully. And he it was a brand new 
kid with AAC because of dad's involvement. So yeah, and I, how empower, empowering exactly for the families. I think we were so scared ourselves in the coaching, but then the the parent is probably equally as terrified to be coached. Yeah, you know, because all of a sudden it all comes down on them. Yeah, but I just remember us talking about parent coaching, and this is a question. I literally got this question yesterday from someone saying. But how do you do teletherapy with this population? And that's the answer is parent coaching is one of the best things you could possibly do. And that's such a great way to get parents involved, too. I think it's just one of those things where it's like that as parents, we often want and Chris will can give a motivational speech on this. As parents, we often want to do what is quick and easy. That's right. But is that what benefits us? That never benefits us. I'm ready for the speech. <laughs> well, that's my whole motto in life is like you, when you do hard things at the beginning stages, things will be a little bit easier in the end. If you do what's easy and quick in the beginning, then things will catch up and they'll be much more difficult. So it's always like having to spend that extra time at the beginning stages, even when it's hard. So that way the end result will be easier for us. Um, so, yeah. So I think that like parents, and I know this as a parent who has taken her kid to speech therapy, you saw one of my children, actually, <laughs> he loved you, me. he didn't, <laughs> he didn't love me. <laughs> you want, here's my kid. I'm going to run to Starbucks. I'll pick him up in 30 minutes. That's quick. That's easy. Yeah. But truthfully, that's not what is going to get the work done. Like, and we've had long conversations about this in our clinic is that's not the kind of parent that we want to attract to our clinic because yeah. we know that that's not the kind of um, dynamic that we'll be seeing results with. Yeah. We want the kind of parent who is going to be sitting on the ground with us in the session. Yeah. So it's like we could it's it is the hard work. And I wish that we could sit here and say, come to speech. It's going to be so easy and quick and your kid's going to be out of there next year. But the truth is that the harder you work now, the more you put into it now, the easier it's going to get later. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't work the opposite way. And we got some, we got a lot of hand claps in the comments. So people are really feeling that. Speech. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And I think sometimes I make assumptions that, Oh, okay. This, or I can, that this will be easier for everybody if I just do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then you bring a parent in and see them in action. And it's like, why didn't I do this Yeah, <laughs> at the beginning? Because and, it's also quicker and easier yeah. for the, for the therapist yeah. to just take the kid yeah, exactly, and do the therapy and come and report back. Like it's a lot harder to be in there as a parent coach, because when you're a parent coaching, you are um, trying to figure out the dynamic of your relationship with the parent and what they what they want out of the session and how they want to be communicated with. And if you are coming off too strong or if you're going to scare them or if you're saying something or doing something in a way that's going to make them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. There's so much relational stuff there to think about, but also just the flexibility component. You know, you just never, you have to be comfortable going into a session, not knowing what actually is going to happen in the session because yeah. you can't predict that. Yeah. And we were just talking too about Chris, how 
you feel like in the pandemic, you even got a huge, you got to talk to parents a lot more, even though you're in a school setting. Yeah, the pandemic really helped me give a, <laughs> get a new uh, perspective and insight to a lot of things. Now, I work at the high school level and in the school setting, so my situation is a lot different, um, especially with those students who um, are at that point where they're where they're working on self-advocacy, which also includes no, which is no, I'd prefer not to have my mom or dad in the session, my caregiver in the session. So the parent coaching can also be one of those um, situations where it doesn't have to be with the student or the client in session. You can, so, so one of the things that I do is um, collaborate through email by using Loom, which are like a screen recording things. And we really work on that coaching piece. So we're establishing trust, which is huge. That prevents a heck of a lot of things. And um, we're also establishing support. So um, when we're not with the, the student or the client, um, the student has strategies and things that they can work on throughout the rest of the week. You know, we get them at the schools for eight hours, but the parent has them for the other uh, 16. So um, gosh, and even with speech, what do we, we get them like 30 minutes to an hour a week. So yeah, that parent collaboration is just such a vital piece. And um, you also, I feel like we're, I was going to say ahead of your time. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but um, you know, bringing parents into the assessment process has been like a big piece of what you've been preaching. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. That is like key. So for those of you listening and viewing the assessment piece and gathering information from what goes on outside of the sessions or outside of school, because guess what? Who knows the child the best? The parent, the, oh. <laughs> the parent, right? So they're going to have the most insight. And that's why this is such a huge piece. Um, reflecting back on the question that you had asked, um, you know, what was the biggest dynamic or shift that I noticed pre-pandemic, post-pandemic? And that was because we had sh made a shift onto the Zoom platform for IEP meetings and for teletherapy and all of those things. It was one of those things where we were able to, I don't know, in my opinion, uh, collaborate quite well with the families. We, I, you know, honestly, after doing this for 20 years, I like met parents that I hadn't seen in a couple of years that you know, for one reason or another, I was like, oh, here we go. So we were able to get um, that collaboration piece going. Um, and even now we give the parents the option of, you know, would you like this IEP meeting to be virtual or would you want to come in? Because, you know, schedules can be tricky with work-related stuff or just a variety of reasons. And so I really did see that the pandemic had made that shift for parent coaching and collaboration in a positive way. Yeah. And even for us, like we got to, sometimes we didn't get to meet both parents in the clinic yeah. and it's like with teletherapy, now we know the whole family plus their dogs. Yeah, I love the dogs. <laughs> That's like the it's best like, thing ever, yeah. right? I'm like, I've met like new family members and I got to see, uh, yeah, new pets mm -hmm. and get to, you get to know the family, not just the student or the client, you get to know the whole family and what goes on because they're excited to meet you and to show you things. Yeah, that's so funny you say that because 
the show and tell days with the dogs and the cats was as was a as, was and still is a cool thing. Yeah. We used to do in our in our groups like scavenger hunts where they would run to their room and grab something and bring it back. Oh, I kind of miss that. Yeah. Maybe we need to do a little more, more <laughs> sprinkling in. So what are some, let's try to give everyone some like takeaways or what to do from here. Because as we were talking, I was thinking about how one of our um, values in our clinic is open communication with families because what we've seen after having this clinic for almost 10 years is a parent might, after months of being like unhappy with maybe the way that they're learning, a parent will email us or the clinic director and say, oh, I really want to try another therapist. Like, we, I feel like that happens relatively often. Yeah. And um, that's something we talk about in our clinic so much is being able to establish those open lines of communication with parents because it's usually the approach, right? That's like usually where the mismatch is, is maybe um, we could have a session that's all therapy with the parent involved, all therapy without the parent involved, parent coaching the whole session, parent coaching a little bit of the session, mm -hmm. explaining the, the strategy to the parent, but then implementing it yourself. So it's like, usually if a parent is unhappy, it's that we're doing one thing, but they want us to be doing another. And that is something that is so easy for us to change and do. So that's something we always talk about here is having those conversations with parents, like saying, here's how I typically run sessions. And for your kid, like this X, Y, Z could be really helpful. Um, how do you feel about that? And a lot of times parents will say no to coaching. They won't want to try it. So maybe yeah. We'll say like, oh, let's try this. And then if you ever feel like this is not working or it's too much, let me know. Yeah. The, what do you call it? Puppy. <laughs> puppy dog sale. Puppy dog sale. Just try it the out puppy. for a little bit and yeah. we'll see how you like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I'm we or I guess I should talk about myself. Um, speak only for myself. I no, just talk about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we, I think as SLPs can get so, um, okay, this session I'm working on this and these are my goals and this is the way I'm going to do it. And these are my activity ideas. But I already mentioned zooming out, big picture. Let's take a moment, pause, be present with each other, human to human. And let's talk about big picture goals. Mom and dad, what are we wanting to get from therapy and how are we going to do this? And I think being able to do that right off the bat, I know it's different probably in school. It is different because they have those talks at yeah, IEP meetings. So, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that is just has been helpful to keep in my mind of just like, I'm going to pause. I'm going to throw my goals to the side for a moment and just talk to this mom or dad or whoever it is. Yeah. I mean, you've had parents who will, like who have come in and cried every session and then yeah. it ends up being counseling. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. Thinking about the big picture and also just prioritizing the relationship, you know, with the family and the kid. Yeah. One, one effective strategy that I've talked about in the past that I'm going to share that I have found very valuable. Now I'm going to start with the story and then I'm going to follow it up with what that strategy is. 
uh, back during Thanksgiving, my mom had guests over and in her mind leading up to Thanksgiving, she had expected um, all of the family, both sides of the family to sit at this table and everybody to interact and everybody to eat at a certain time and everybody to show up at noon. And what ended up happening was some people showed up a little late here and there. Some people left early. Some of the family members didn't interact as much. So what she, So what ended up happening was that she stressed herself out and she got really upset. I said, mom, you placed a heck of a lot of expectations on something. And that's what ultimately led to your feelings right now. Now, when we work with neurodivergent students and we work with autistic students, one of the best tips that we can provide to families and one of the tips that I share with SLPAs and other therapists is do our best to remove all expectations. Because when we have expectations there, we expect them to make eye contact or we expect them to go ask a question to our neighbor or we expect them to do a certain thing when we have guests over. We're, we're placing expectations on different students and different neurotypes and it sets that it sets them up for failure because we've placed expectations that they shouldn't even have and so if we can do that if we can remove that we make our lives easier and we accept neurodiversity and we really help um our our kids and um the the individuals we work with um better that way so um just something to keep in mind uh to kind of remove some of the expectations everybody benefits when we do that it's hard to do and it takes practice, but you'll see in the future how this will apply to other things in life too. Not just working with our, our kids, but just family stuff. You're going to go, oh my gosh, there might've been some expectations on that thing. And maybe that's why I'm upset. And so um, yeah. that's one. And I was expecting tip. you to cook, clean and do all the laundry tonight. Is that not fair? That's why she's upset all the time. <laughs> <laughs> expectations are the root of all heartache. Ooh. I saw that on Tumblr. Oh, you did? Look at this. I knew I was onto something. Gosh. But yeah, I mean, it really resonates and runs through all of our line of work here, our our field, you know. Because we we can't control. That's the point. Like, we should only worry about the things we can control. And you taught me that. That's true. You know, focus on the things we can't control. There's certain things we can't control. Mm Like I can yell at you to do the dishes is something I can control. (laughs) That's true. All right. Well, Emily and I will be together so much next week because next week is our free sensory communication mini course for parents. So if you are a parent and you have not signed up, make sure you do. This is such an awesome opportunity for you to learn more about your child's sensory needs and how you can use sensory strategies to support their communication. This is the first time we've ever done this workshop for parents. Parents have been asking for so long. So we are just so excited to do that. Make sure to sign up if you haven't yet. And thank you, Emily, for being our guest. Emily's the best. Thank you so much for coming. Yes. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone, have a great rest of your day. Make sure to leave a review or uh, go give us a rating if you get a chance. We do appreciate it. Until next time. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe, write a review, or share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.